Radio Free Brooklyn, it's staff or management. Thanks for listening and enjoy Radio Free Brooklyn. This is what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I give a shit. Don't I sound cheery? God, what a fucking shit show we've got going on in this planet. How can I sound so fucking cheery? I, uh, I'm, I'm putting that aside because you know what? We've, we've got to power through this and, uh, you know, uh, the, the world is in a really scary, horrible place and we are going to fucking stick together, folks. We are here for each other. Okay. I am here for you and we are solid. Okay. So anyway, I just want to say thanks a lot for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, which is the greatest radio station in the Western Hemisphere. And I'm proud to say that Western Hemisphere. Um, So, you know, we're a nonprofit. Uh, We do a lot of service for the community and stuff like that. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Donate some money. Uh, check out our shows, uh, buy a t-shirt. And speaking of buying a t-shirt, we happen to have, uh, one of the artists. And this, I shouldn't be introducing him this way because it's probably like the most minor thing he's ever done. And he's, he's a good friend of mine. And that's, I, it's because of me, he made a Radio Free Brooklyn t-shirt. But I have artist David Kramer on the show today. Hi, David. Just say hi. Hi. Okay, there he is. See, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> so before we really get into um, talking about David, uh, and um, also, as I said to David, you know, I always get a little self-conscious when I know somebody pretty well when they're on my show, because, uh, you know, I actually have to see them after the show, and I like to ask some really obnoxious questions, and uh, I haven't lost any friends yet, but I'm going to be working on it. David, do you think we'll be friends after the show? Uh, I hope so. You hope so? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, are you a little nervous? Like, I'm going to ask you something really like you're just going to be like, fuck that shit. Well, the last time we did one of these interviews, I was, I think, I think on the other end of a Zoom call, so oh, okay. now I'm very nervous. I'm Are right you here. nervous? That's hilarious. So, so I love that you're nervous. That makes me feel empowered. This is great. So, David, did you cried once on the radio <laughs> with me, right? Remember we were talking about your dad and I got you to cry? I'm proud of that. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Here's the thing. Guys, listen. David has a very, very big show tomorrow of his work at freight and volume and if you don't know it that's like a very good gallery it's in tribeca it's a big fucking deal okay and um the show you know david uh you know we chatted a little before 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 we got on with you guys and uh the show is getting like already great response like he's gotten uh some well let let's say i think uh that the the uh certainly the uh sales part of it is looking very very bright but beyond that you know he's gotten some emails and shit it's looking good it's looking good and i think it's going to i'm sure it's going to be great i actually 
David had me over to the studio like a couple weeks ago. We hung out. I saw the work. I'm right in there, folks. Do you think I'm a loser? I'm right there. <laughs> um, but anyways, for you, those of you that don't don't you're, don't you're, know anything about art, you're actually the uh, only person I actually ended up having as a uh, studio visit. Is see that the right? Preview of the work because um, I was gonna. I had like sort of said like, okay, I'm going to start having people over and then you came and then I got COVID. Oh, so, oh, okay. So that there kind you of go. ended my, uh, my run of studio visits right oh, then. So there you go. Yeah. Luckily it was just a, you know, sort of by the time I tested positive, I basically had to just stay at home for like five or six. That was like a week after days. I saw yeah. you, I took a test. Thank yeah. God everything was okay. But uh, David, you know, this is probably the last time. You, David's been on my podcast, like or my radio show, I should say, like three or four times. I'll put the links when I post this. But uh, David, you know, maybe next time you're going to be on with like, you know, uh, Hans Ops or whatever his name is. <laughs> Somebody, you know, like the Art Forum podcast. So this could be it after yeah. this show. This is what, it. This is it. The so, swan song for yeah, us. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> if I really try hard to insult you, this could be the last show. Who knows? Get your jigs in. Maybe right <laughs> maybe you won't. Maybe I won't be allowed to go to the opening after this. Yeah. So anyway, you know what I want to make sure to tell you guys? I want to tell you about the, sh- about the details about the show so you can, you know, you can before more important than anything else i want to make sure that you have the opportunity to go to the opening it's okay to invite them to the opening right sure i have like thousands sure. of listeners yeah i mean <laughs> yeah bring your own glass that's the uh, that's and, the only thing and so i'm i'm going to invite uh i'm going to tell you about the show the opening the title of the show is i am the boss of me it's taken from one of uh david's paint paintings uh the the punchline is uh i don't pay very well yeah and it's at a very, very good gallery, Freight and Volume, on 39 Lisp Pennard Street. That's in Tribeca. The opening is tomorrow, February 25th. Uh, the reception is 4 to 6. 4 to uh, 8. 4 to 8. It says 4 to 6 no, here. it should be 4 to 8. It's going to go on. Uh, I thought it was 4 to 8, and then it said 4. You got yeah. a mistake here. Yeah. Oh, okay, 4 to 8. Um, it's not my fault. That was a mistake. Um, look how defensive and insecure I am. So anyway, the show is on February 25th, 25th through April 2nd. So that's a good long time. You have no excuse not to see it. And that's a good, that's great. That's like six weeks. Yeah. So anyway, um, David's work is smart, funny, and very cool to very visually like compelling uh it and um i i don't know how to describe it exactly it's pretty it's a because it's original but you know it's like you know uh you know a kramer when you see one uh here's here's some of the Part of Kramer's directness stems from his use of language, placing text over an image. He not only ironically comments on what the image portrays, but uh, he makes he makes fun of himself. He makes fun of things. I don't want to read you this press release. It has too many big words. I'm not sure I understand it myself, frankly. Yeah. 
Um, but I just want to tell you a little bit more about David so you can see it's not just my my opinion of David, David that he's like a successful artist. David's work has been the subject of national and international solo exhibitions, including uh, shit in Paris, Brussels, Belgium, Pierogi, Brooklyn, New York, New York, this gallery in New York, that gallery in New York, Munich, uh, Beirut. Uh, he also, I didn't realize that you got a Paula Krasner Foundation Fellowship. That's cool. And, and a NIFA grant. That's a big deal. But also, uh, one of, uh, one of the big things that, uh, uh, well, it was in 2020 recently that, uh, one of the highlights, I'm going to say highlights. So David was commissioned to work with, how do you say his name? Eddie Sleman. On, um, the Celine, uh, which is a, a very couture men's se- uh, 2020 season, spring season men's collection. So David had um, his work on uh, a bunch of things, including like T-shirts that sold for like, what, 500? How much were they? <laughs> yeah. The, a stupid amount of money. Yeah, there was a, it was a... Um... Stupid amount of money. <laughs> and uh, Todd Oldham yeah. uh, was posting. Uh, no, that was, was it Todd? Uh, who was it? Um, it was uh, a lot of celebrities. Who? Mark Jacobs. Mark Jacobs. A lot of uh, celebrities bought uh, T-shirts and musicians, musicians, music people. Yeah. Uh, who? No, it was pretty. Uh, it was it was a pretty amazing thing. The, the rapper Future. Future. Was that's what I was thinking. Ward in one of his videos, and uh, guys from Weezer were wearing. You know. Yeah, it's a big... and you, you and your wife Susan, who is awesome. <laughs> um, you guys got to go to Paris for the opening. For the for the not opening for the tellers. well they had a uh, it was great we did a the runway show was actually in June of 2019 and that's when they did the launch but really the stuff was not available in the stores until uh, the spring of 2020 but right from the uh, launch it was just a remarkable how much press and how big of a hit it yeah. was. And then, of Huge. course, when it finally hit the stores, right in March of 2020, we had COVID, and so yeah, I, wi- I remember wiped that out my uh, my frustrating <laughs> for you. But it's still like the amount of attention was. It tell was, us like some of the press. It was well, it was just kind of funny because I've always sort of um, shopped at Kmart for my <laughs> for my clothing, and uh, yet you know, like I was suddenly like being interviewed by Men's GQ and by like. You know, uh, British uh, uh, Vogue and Australian Vogue, and and then you know magazines from really Vietnam, uh, from China, from everywhere were just interviewing. Yeah, and, and, and you of all, not of all people, really, but you oh, were so being you could, quoted about you, fashion. I mean, this is ridiculous. You could say me of all people. I mean, I really. Um, well, there are people I, who are worse dressed than I, you, David. I go but, into my but, closet, and there's like. Just a stack of black T-shirts that I pick from. So, but I mean, at least they're black T-shirts. There are people who have really actively bl- bad taste. So, yeah. but but still, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. So that they're- was, but that was like I I do think that like um, there's a very funny thing for me. Like I have these uh, sort of I always have like joke about my terrible luck. Whenever I have like something really good happen, something really bad always seems to follow. Like. Anyway, there's just like I happened to do like one time I got to do this performance uh, at the 
at the Whitney. And then three days later, my studio exploded, you know? So I was always like, well, this happened. So therefore, and then like, I got to do this fabulous thing with Celine and then a pandemic happened. And then like I did like the last uh, time I had a show at Freight and Volume, it was, well, it turned out to be a good thing, but it happened right before the election. And then the election turned out to be like this prolonged, well, we don't even know who still won. Because, <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, yeah, we know who won. You and I know who won. Depends on who you ask. And then, and now this show that I'm having, it opens on Friday, is like right after World War Three started. So this is all great timing. But, yeah, uh, no, no, but, um, but you know, like, uh, there, there, I, I, but per- then again, it's always all about me. So all of these events are, of course, because yeah, of right. Me. The war. No, but I mean, <laughs> you know, the world's been a shit show for like at least the last five, five or more years. So yes. So it, it would be hard to avoid any any kind of shit show. But that's true. better than a major snow. No, I mean, that's not even funny. <laughs> Don't really. even, that's not funny. I've had, I've had that happen. I've had a show. During- no, but that would be like where no one could get out. Anyway, uh, so. Um, yeah, at least my show is not in Kiev. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> so that's the one really good this thing. Is not, yeah. This is not the, uh, as, as they say, this is not the views of Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> but that's fine. Any other time, I wouldn't mind that. But this week, <laughs> this week. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, I am personally excited about David's show because, like I said, I, I've seen David. I, you know, and I, I like... You know, I became friends with David because I saw his work and I was just, I saw, this is so long ago. This is when you were doing the work on Yellow Paper before I knew <laughs> you. What you, what was that? Is it well, I think years that, at uh, we, yeah, we've known each other for since, I don't know, 2000 and in early at 2000s. Least 15, yeah. 20 years. Yeah, so, sure. um, so when we first became friends, I was already impressed by, by David's work. Um, thinking, wow, he's, Good. Uh, I want to be that guy's friend. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so I've been a fan from the beginning. You know, it's not like it's not like I'm uh, not like everyone else who's suddenly my f- not fans your friend. Yeah. No, it's not like somebody who's like, who's this guy Kramer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, his work's not too bad. No, I was already sold on the work. You know, and I actually, you know, sometimes you love other artists' work, and then you meet them, and you're like, I don't want to spend any time with this person, right? <laughs> That happens too, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that happens almost all the time. But, <laughs> but usually, yeah, usually though, it's like if you meet someone and you really, and then I don't, and then I see their work and I don't like their work, I can no longer really be friends with them. So this speaks well for oh, you. Oh, all heart. right, all right. Yeah, I guess that's weird too. That's a problem <laughs> too. But anyway, so um, here's the thing, folks. Uh, Kramer's a pretty intense guy, and this is. This moment right now for David, um, and I'm here. I'm here to like poke at it for us. Is one of probably this. This is a very intense moment for any artist, but uh, particularly for Kramer, where he is in his career. Because I think, I mean, you know, to have a show. First of all, this is the first show after he got all this huge exposure after the Celine thing. And then on top of that, he's already had a great response the day before the show opens. So uh, he has also been hibernating because he's made all this work 
from September through January. So he hasn't done, he has not, so it's a very intense moment for David, right, David? Yeah, I was, I think I was, I was telling you before, we, um, even though we've seen each other occasionally socially during this period of time that I've been working on this show, I basically, um, it, the best, the thing that's really exciting to me about this body of work is that um, I made, I really, I had this very busy summer. I sent a lot of work off into a lot of shows in Europe and et cetera. And I was really, and then I had a solo show in Toronto and in late September and literally my studio was just empty. It was barren. And um, I knew I had this show on the calendar and this show is essentially built since then. And, you know, it's, it's really a thrilling thing. I always say that the thing about being an artist is always like to be in the middle of everything is always the best thing. I mean, the worst thing about having a show is it ends all of that energy that, Mm. that I had all of that fantastic kind of period where I was, I wasn't necessarily hibernating, but I was in a bunker because I was not sleeping at all. I oh, was, really? Yeah, I was just like working and, you know, I took up smoking again and things that like bad habits. And But I was just working all the time. I never, I was like in the studio as much as I could. Plus I was financially kind of broke from, so I was like, every time I had jobs, I was running to do those. So it was really like this juggling act and the body of work kind of, came together into something that I'm just kind of really, uh, I, I, I love this body of work. And the other funny part about this was I did have another show with Freight and Volume, as I mentioned, during the election, which was just, believe it or not, like last November, a year and a half ago, a year and a couple of months ago. And that really, at that time I had done that show, I mean, it was a very different time. We were in the middle of COVID still. There was no vaccines. It was... That show I felt like was this sort of like heroic, hefty lift that I had done then. And I just thought like, and it came and went because of the period of time that we were going through where people were, I mean, literally that was like one of those openings where they were like only six people could be in the gallery at a Mm -hmm. time. Everyone had to be on the sidewalk. It was super intense. mm. And so, but I kind of had felt like, that show was kind of like this miraculous show that I pulled somehow together. And then I would never be able to top that experience. And I really kind of do feel like, well, that's this, that show came and went and no longer, I mean, everybody always thinks their next thing is as an artist, you always think your next thing is the best, or you are just convinced of that all the time. But I'm kind of convinced that this show really just is just a big one for me. Like it's really, I just, and I really forced myself to make, I mean, I, these are like, there's a couple of rugs that I made in this show, but it's, and essentially it's all just paintings. And I haven't really done like a full on painting show in that I can think of at all ever in my career. It's really like mm, a big, interesting. big blowout kind so, of painting show. So what was that like? What did that feel like? Like when you were in the middle of it, like, were you like, what was your, what was your life like? Like, did you just go to the studio and that was it and yeah i mean like sure occasionally i would you know try to do something else do something else but because i I mean because of it's amazing that i like you know ended up getting covid because i wasn't doing (laughs) anything socially at all and then like you know one weekend i did go out when things seemed under control with the show just like three weeks ago and that was 
and I immediately got COVID. But Maybe. you know, we were going through the um, mm-hmm. Omicron crunch. Mm-hmm. I was just like going to the studio and staying there, and I would just be in the studio from like eight, you know eight seven eight o'clock in the morning until seven or eight o'clock at night, wow. and, and then go home and sort of like. Uh, watch succession or something like yeah that. i mean um yeah how does susan can, can i ask you because this this is a, this is a, this is a good question for for anybody who's in a, any kind of relationship as an artist and i'm just gonna so um how does susan so david has this really awesome wife susan um who um is funny and smart and fabulous and has a lot and has a big life of her own in a lot of I mean she's got a lot of friends she's in a lot of she's in a a, a group yeah she's in a choir. choir she's doing acting classes she does all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff but she's also a public Lawyer. defender and uh, her a public her, fucking defender yeah her career is uh being a public defender yeah so uh but um so I mean, not not to say like she's sitting around waiting for you to show up. That's me sticking up for myself and all women. But how does she? How does she? Does she ever get annoyed, or what's that like? Does she ever say when you said you were going to be home? Or uh, I mean, generally speaking, honestly, she's the most compatible person to be uh, with in terms of my lifestyle of working. Of what she does. that has never been a problem. I mean, but um, she doesn't care. She's she, just like her she, job is also like just it goes beyond the nine to five it's like she's just working all the time too oh, i mean really? you know i mean that lawyers are just she's just always working her clients are always getting arrested you know no no it's, it's really it's, it's and a, it's, it's really meaning it's really meaningful no, thank I mean, you thank a, you for doing that Susan. she does I mean, it's you know really meaningful yeah she does job. the lord's work really in many ways but uh, she does you know like but uh honestly like i i mean I hate to say, it, but like a lot of times it's like if I would just send her a text from my studio and it's like, I'm here for a couple more hours, the response is often, I guess I'll just keep working too. Because <laughs> she has uh, enough. Oh, There's yeah. always something to do. Yeah. So she runs, yeah. not only is she a public defender, but she also runs a team of public defenders. Oh, I didn't know that. that. She has a whole trial, you know. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. So she's got plenty of, yeah, it's a, yeah. you know, it's a big yeah she's got dealing with so anyway the long and short of it is um yeah i don't get i don't get a lot of grief about uh right and i think i think she likes her privacy it's also (laughs) like i also think that um that's um good for our relation i mean i I just want i'm not around i just want you art people all you creative people to know that like you know oh i can't have a partner or whatever you know yeah you gotta you know just Get somebody's got a fuck. If you've got a fucking life, you got to be with somebody else who's got a fucking life. Yeah. Okay, we worked that out there, right? Right there, there right, right there. there. Uh, anyway, so, um, but, um, so, what? What was it like when you first started doing the paintings? Did it like sort of? Did you sort of like? I imagine you just. Does it get to be? It's like where you're not really thinking about it that hard you're just like in it you're just enjoying do you enjoy it was it what's the process like for you well i mean it's really uh, i'm a really um shitty painter so i mean it's really hard to uh you know like i always like you know honestly like it's a painting is not that easy but i sort of have to struggle with paintings to get mm-hmm. them to look like whatever they look like but um 
the long and short of it is like I had uh, the show I did in Toronto in uh, in September was primarily a painting show also, but uh, I had made a lot of very small paintings, which I never work small. I usually work quite, you know, five by five canvases, mm-hmm. sort of a typical kind of thing. But I had made these really small paintings because I just sort of thought that was like the thing to try to force myself to do. And I really liked those. And then those things made me feel very com- confident about painting. Uh-huh. So I started these paintings. I, I first got some other smaller canvases and started doing a few sort of get the things going in the studio. But then I started to just get bigger and stretch bigger canvases, unstretch old canvases, you know, stretch new ones. And I just kept on like doing things. But in general, like a lot of what uh, what happened with these paintings was, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought things were, I would think things were finished. And then I would look at it a week, a month a few, you know, uh, two months later and just literally destroy paintings and to get them to redo them, to make them look right. And there's, there are two very uh, good paintings in this show that I started in 2017 that I dug out of a rack and actually tore apart and redid. And they're, everything else is like, and so I consider them to be current paintings, but everything else has none, none of that kind of history to them. But, Mm -hmm. um, it was very hard uh, to um, have the, it was a big deal to have the nerve to just say this, I'm going to just paint over this. It's not working. Usually it's like I try, I would paint something and sort of try to get it right the first time gesturally and just try to fix it. That would always mm-hmm. be how I would, my paintings were always me trying to fix things. Mm-hmm. And I finally have gotten to a point now where I just destroy paintings to fix them. Mm-hmm. And when you say destroy painting, what does that really mean? I mean, it really means like... Do you paint, paint painting, over it in white or... No, I mean, usually I just paint over it in a color field, but I might try to resolve the same image that was underneath that color field, but there is no trace of it mm-hmm. by the time I mm-hmm. destroy mm-hmm. the painting, you know, or I try mm-hmm. fixing part of it and then it turns into like painting all over the whole painting, you know, so I mean, but I literally would run the risk on these paintings by destroying, by literally destroying things. So it's really a process that you're sort of like, there's a lot of discovery during, during the making of it. It's all, it's sort of like discovering it and making it. When you start, do you have like there? It's all discovery. I have no idea what I'm doing. So So do you have, (laughs) do you have like, uh, do you have like, do you have the image in mind, the writing, the writing in the image, or like, what do you start with? Well, I mean, like, that's the other thing. So, like, um, I was making paintings for the like the last like five or six years, or so. I don't know how long it's well, been, three years, whatever. But I'd making paintings where I was literally like writing on the canvas and then using masking tape and then painting the whole. You know, yeah, taking a razor blade and really like. You know, sort of putting on masking tape, masking out what I wanted the painting to say, and then making a painting and then pulling away the tape and kind of like having this finished kind of project. You mean like really, like I'll just say like really like, you know, very intentional and very well-crafted type. 
Yeah, the type was, you know, like uh, like I said, I would take razor blades. It was very exact. Yeah. Exacto knife. Had- I would take, you know, that was really well done. And then I would pull that off and, yeah, and that it, would it, be. It, but so essentially I knew what all those paintings were going to say. And then I just sort of got lost in the painting process of painting the image without any sign of the tape. And then I'd have to kind of look around for where the tape was and find it and peel it off. Anyway, on these paintings, I really just kind of like, would just paint a painting and then I would kind of paint words on top of the paintings. You know, I was using sort of mechanical things just so I could have sort of tight handwriting again, but I was very sloppy and very direct. I was just painting the text right onto the paintings while they were kind of so. And then sometimes, literally, like I would say, well, I didn't really say that the way I wanted to say it, or I don't like what it says at all. And I would paint out the words, which would mean mm-hmm. I would destroy the painting and then paint in the words written New the words. way they should have been. Or the even, yeah. if, even if it was just a nuance of like mm-hmm. a couple of uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the way this mm-hmm. sentence was constructed. And I was willing to do that. But so these paintings became much more direct, much more mm-hmm. like tactile. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's funny because I always like to, uh, I think of like art and like art is a relationship. I mean, I've said this before, it's just as cheesy as it sounds. Art is like a relationship with something that you have outside yourself. And it's kind of like where I think like, you know, we're just like on this journey to sort of get to know ourselves better and you're like getting to know kind of like your painting you're having like you're getting more comfortable with your painting in a certain way right yeah i mean it was just a very different uh, thing although you know like it was yeah it was a very different thing to make these paintings from the way i had performed how i'd done paintings Uh, in the past uh and it was much more of like getting completely lost in the process of making them and 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 you've and much and like it sounds very rewarding well, well, it's, we'll see. So no, far, no, I th- but you know. Yeah, no, the show, I think, is like... Uh, How you're feeling about it. I feel really positive about the show. I mean, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's first off, I think it's always funny to talk about things like paintings on a radio because it's sort of like a baking show where they're Yeah, like, right. You can't I, taste it. You can't it. taste it. No, but yeah. But, but it is really a great... Um, I will say that there is just... the the These paintings... Even, they're just like uh, there's something about the sort of uh, the depth, the thickness of the paint, the colors, even the lack of colors. Like there's lots of really deep blue sections where I just paint, mm-hmm. try to make a black by just adding colors and colors. So I get mm-hmm. painting black. All of that stuff. When you look at these paintings up close, you can see, when you look at them in the gallery, you just see this like, um, yeah, I, like I was really. I got very dirty making these paintings, and that's what you can really tell. It's- so, so let's give um, the listeners a little bit of context, um, like about like how long you've been painting, because uh, this didn't happen overnight, guys. No. Well, you know, the funny thing is, like, I had uh, I, I've been an artist really since I was in my twenties. I'm like almost sixty, right? I'm fifty-seven years old right now, so. Whatever, however old that is. 57. David's looking at me like, is that okay? Is that okay? (laughs) Am I supposed to say numbers? Anyway, so the long and short of it is that I've been, but when I first started and wanted to move, when I first like moved to New York and was like, or moved back to New York to go to school, I was like, I, I really thought I had no idea what to paint. And so I became a sculptor and I was like really a sculptor for years. Mm-hmm. And then I started to draw on paper a lot and that sort of led me back into like making lots of ink drawings and ink paintings. 
And eventually I started to make paintings again, but most of those paintings were very, like, I, by choice, I wanted them to be kind of mechanical looking, and they really were kind of uh, stiff, and now I look at them, and they were sort of vacant in a way, but I've really, it's been a very slow process. I still make objects, but I don't consider myself a sculptor. I really do consider myself finally a painter only in the last mm -hmm. few years. Mm -hmm. Before that, I was like a guy who made drawings and videos and and stuff, but I become a painter. And like I said, I really have learned how to paint like mm -hmm. mostly in the last couple of years, really. So, And um, I was also thinking that, you know, because... Um, you know, this is such this is such a great moment um, that it would be interesting to hear about the ups and like you know, guys. It's not just it's not like all of a sudden one day boom. It's like you've been through a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, there's been some really sucky shit too. So like how how like can you give us some perspective of where this show fits into the you know to your career? Well, I mean, you know, it's funny, like, uh, I, I've had a lot of, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, literally, I have, like, I guess you'd say I'm, I'm having a successful moment, yeah, there's yeah, a lot no, of stuff Dave, going on, yeah. but I am also, like, I'm sitting on, like, just, I have, like, nothing in my checking account right now, I'm totally broke, you know, I mean, this totally, like, sort of the, you know, this is not that atypical, it's been a very rough road during the end of this the last year of this pandemic has been really rough and things like that. But, you know, like, yeah, I mean, like I did that. Um, I've had a lot of success. I've done a lot of places. And eventually I caught the eye of Eddie Slaman and I ended up doing that project with Celine in 2020, 2019, 2020. And yeah, I mean, like I would say that since that time, the last, you know, it's 2022, the last couple of years have been, I mean, I, I was joking with you before that I had, I wrote an email to someone who's a critic who I've known since the 90s, who I used to know in Toronto. Major critic. And then a guy responded to me in my email saying, I'm really busy, but I'm going to try to make it. But, you know, I'm just super busy right now. And I was like, well, that guy never responds to my email. <laughs> so you got, you got like a, like so a I can't made, make it. I can't make it from yeah. somebody who's really important. Yeah. That is, that's As opposed to you. just ignoring me. I've actually, people are, yeah. you know, and this is sort of, that's I right. mean, this happened with this show, like I actually sent out a press release just to my typical mailing list. And there were people who have were collectors of mine that responded that hadn't talked to me in 10 years or so. I mean, it's just like, generally speaking, you know, like uh, I'm having this sort of like uh, I, I, I'm, I'm getting uh, a little bit of. Uh, traction, I guess we would say there is traction. Like people yeah. respond to to my emails, and 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 that you know, I mean that that's sort of, and it's it's still, I'm still at that point though where I still make jokes about it. But, yeah, well, you know. that's what's you know, I I, I mean, I, I that's what's really funny is like uh, I was I was saying that um, you know the funny thing is is like David is probably the most or one of the most successful people I know, um, artists and, uh, among the people I know. And yeah, you don't know anybody. Well, yeah, that's what David <laughs> says. I don't know anybody. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've met a few people. Yeah, you've in met my, a few people. By my day. But what, but right. I, I mean, it makes, it's like, I, you know, 
it's like really like David will will say like, you know, he'll be complaining and everybody will be going like, what the hell are you complaining about? You know, they well, go, I mean, like I don't uh, I mean, listen, I I my self-deprecation is like sort of one of my paint tools. That's like a tube of paint that I squeeze out is like I mean, even the paintings that are in this show, every single one of them is sort of like a, a sort of. Either it's a gaslighting positive statement that you know is bullshit or it is completely a revealing kind of comment about my how my whatever I hope for is just ultimately mm-hmm. going to be dashed by the end of the painting. So, <laughs> like you expect that. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, self-deprecation is really like sort of something that, you know, but I mean, what I always have said, I've been saying this since I was quite a, uh, you know, in, when I was making, I made a, a book like 20 years ago. Or and like not twenty years ago, but in like twelve years ago, when I was showing with the gallery and the cover drawing said, you know, even if I got everything I ever wanted, I'd still find something to complain about, and that is sort of the mantra right. that I sort of live by. So a new set of problems is always going to come with everything right. that happens. Yeah, so. I know it's really funny. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things that, like, I wonder, I wonder when, when do you, when can somebody stop complaining? Don't people get shit? About, I'm trying to think of somebody famous, like, really who. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen. It is. I mean, like, there is a fine line where you can just come off as like a real jerk for like just complaining about everything all the time. But I feel like, you know, I mean. Th- it's always been part of the entertainment. It's part of the, you know, the it's, struggle. it's part of, you know, that has always been what the work has been about is of self, you know, is this not self-fulfilling prophecy, but this self um, observation of like what I'm hoping for and what I'm really getting. And that is what it's always been like really the focus of the work. And that that's why I've sort of used imagery a lot that comes from advertisements because it's always like the, titillating thing that you're like being sold is never really the thing that you're going to love when you have it or when you do have it as soon as you have it you're going to want something else i mean that is really like the uh, message that is the general overview of where i've been at and where i continue to be at and i feel like it's i still have shit to complain about so do you think that's yeah uh do you think that's a common um so that's like a human condition I think it is uh, the which is why it resonates. I mean, it's it is the to condition you. of late capitalism. I mean, this is where we're at. Is like we're never going to be satisfied. We're going to until we've destroyed everything around us. We're going to keep hungrily eating everything that we can. I mean, that is that is the. I mean, that is sort of the larger philosophical view of the whole thing. That it's sort of about late capitalism with like a big dose of like uh, irony thrown in you mean because no matter how fast or how many or how small like how like you know small the iphone is or how many people you can reach or how many followers you have or how many you know how many cars people like i heard about this collector with like this huge collection of cars like how much you have is never enough right there's literally a painting in my show that is a giant like it's a big five by five painting, but it's a painting of a giant safe and the doors open and there's like blocks of gold piled up inside. And the painting says, I always want more. <laughs> it's really, and then the painting is actually called private collection because it's, it's sort of as a joke, but That's I mean, it's uh, yeah, I mean, that is, it is 
but it is sort of like a funky kind of quasi Trump loy kind of painting. Like you can look at it. I mean, it really doesn't do the trick of you actually looking at the at the safe door that it's actually looks like it's a Trump Lloyd painting. But it's a you know, it's a pop art realism kind of yeah, yeah, painting and, in the show. And it really does have that. But the text on it, I always want more is like the that is the uh, the, the you know, the desire. Uh, right, the right. Endless desire. And it's also really funny when you think about it in the art world, because the art world is you know, usually is people who um, have ex- have extra money and extra resources right. of all sorts. Right. My new collection is just going to be gold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to collect anything else except for gold. But, uh, you know, but then the, there's another painting in the show that's like a big disco ball. And that one says, uh, you know, I have drugs and alcohol to thank for the greatest moments in my life. And that is, you know, also this sort of like, commentary about ex- excessive living and you know and it's yeah that 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 there is something to that there is something to that yeah right is that what, well yeah. i mean i just think that like uh it's a comment it's not really a commentary about excessive living but it, it's also it's really a commentary about like taking ownership of like that kind of, of the lifestyle that i've lived without having that sort of like i mean no offense to anybody who goes to meetings and does and stop drinking but it it is this sort of anti-militant towards it is anti the militancy of a of the sort of sober community that are like oh you can't say that oh oh yeah yeah yeah, because like i know it's like all these like i'm just gonna make a broad generalization like you read about rock musicians or something i read i like these biographies and uh, they, uh, you know, formed a band and they were all like drug addicts and alcoholics and now they're all sober. But like they wouldn't have had like they wouldn't have had like sex with all the groupies and traveled the world if it wasn't for all the drugs and alcohol. Right. That's what Blame. we're talking about. I mean, about. yeah, I don't I mean, instead of blaming everything, all my, you know, it's sort of celebrating all of my fucked up mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> and it's know, fun. Taking ownership. Exactly. You know, and that is but it is also about. It's true. It's true, though. I mean, that they're there. I mean, everybody, some of the like the craziest moments, the most risk taking moments in life are often the most memorable and exciting and maybe even joyous. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and but quite frankly, it's also like, you know, like I'm definitely someone who you know, sometimes needs a bracer just to go say something, to go talk to somebody, you know, like, you know, alcohol and drugs have always played a different, you know, very interesting role in my life, but I have always been very successful at not succumbing to that, like, right, that, you know, so, right. so I can play with it, but of course it offend, might offend somebody who, right. who has had struggles and I don't mean any harm, but I just right, am making you- my work about my situation, my and right. uh, you know, and I'm. Right. It's sort of a very pro, <laughs> pro drug and alcohol <laughs> thing. So for you personally, that that has definitely been something that you feel has made your life. You you you're just trying to say like drugs and alcohol have made your life better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that what you mean? <laughs> exactly. And I would be nowhere without them. <laughs> Well, I I I'm all for that somehow. I I I see what you mean. Yeah. You know, I see what you mean. Let's not hold back. Yeah. You know, that is true though. Like, you know, that is true a lot. I mean, I like drugs and alcohol. 
Um, I try to manage it and not be self-destructive, but there's nothing, uh, there's, there's, there is something that we get out of it. Well, it is just funny. I mean, to me, like society, uh, as American society is like kind of broken down into like this, well, I can't, it's hard to describe who's on what side of what, but there are these sort of like puritans who are like yeah. trying to tell you how to manage you know like militant vegans or whatever you know it's just like i'm all for like you you know everyone doing their own thing but and i'm all for people telling me that they can't do their own thing that's totally cool but you know the people who just decide that they're gonna you know sort of live this lifestyle do they have to be muted because they still take drugs you know right you know or i mean that is sort of the puritan aspect it's sort of like there's this idea you're not supposed to even mention right 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 well i mean there's every i think every creative um community is complaining about that i mean you hear that a lot but the comedy community is really you know i mean you can't make fun of things you can't say things you know everybody's talking about getting canceled i hate that word because it sounds so trendy it sounds like something you almost want to have i'm so big i got canceled (laughs) i'm so well known i got canceled you know, I'm going to tell uh, I'm going to tell that story about just for any of you who think that David does that David can really handle his drugs, he can't because <laughs> uh, so one night I had my friend uh, a friend of mine Joe from L.A. Uh, over and uh, David came over because Joe Joe's a huge fan of David his work and stuff like that. And we were all hanging out and we had some L.A. weed and David had like one hit and he got so high. <laughs> I mean, he, you started freaking me out because also I'm paranoid about throwing up. You didn't know this, but I actually oh. went over to Joe and because you went in the bathroom and I went over to Joe and I said, Joe, if he throws up, you, I need you to help me out. <laughs> I actually went over and said that to him. He's wow. like, I got you, Lisa. Only because I am particularly sensitive about that. Well, you know what really, I mean, honestly, like uh, a lot of times I smoke when I do smoke weed, a lot of times I get really like, I just love being in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was during this period of time. Like I was really sort of like, well, I was still like on the uphill climb of where the show was going and what I was going to be doing. And I just was like, Oh man, I got to get back to work. And then I was also feeling, I mean, I was actually feeling so sort of good, like liberated and free that i was like i'm not gonna waste this on you and joe (laughs) (laughs) no you know what i'm actually really glad to hear that because i was like feeling bad i was like you know this is la weed i should have said something well yeah i mean it is true i hadn't been you know i hadn't it was like it was was knockout weed it was knockout and i was but i was like wow this is great i gotta but it's like i I, I can't make small talk. I'm just not like. Yeah. And when you head. texted me that you were in the studio, I was really relieved because I thought that you were feeling like ill or, you know, yeah. anxious or something. And I well, was just really happy that, that was you went and work. Were you feeling anxious? Well, I mean, it was very difficult to sort of extricate myself from our experience. Yeah, it's really 
hard to like. Was, Sometimes it's just it hard was, to be around other people. I was, like being alone when I'm high too. No, it was just hard to say like, look, I, I really just, I, uh, I, I just got to go work. I feel like, you know, it's like, thanks for the bong hit. I got to go work. <laughs> but, you know, right, you know, whatever. Right. That's really what you, know, you needed to do. But that's really what I needed to do. And that's why I left. But it really was like, I did not handle my drugs well that day because no. I couldn't make an exit that was smooth enough that you didn't think I was in the bathroom barfing. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I actually, if you had come out, if you had come out and said, and I'm not saying like, and you know, I mean, we do have like these social, we're all like fucking stuck in this social conventions. But like, if you had said, you know, I'm really high, it's making me feel like I want to go to my studio. I mean, who would have the presence of mind to say right. that? I, I mean, and, I, and it was like a group. It was Joe. It was three of us. So it was like, as soon as I walked out the door and, and left your building and headed to the train, I was like, I'm going right to my studio. I mean, it was just. Did you very know that clear. when you left the apartment, my apartment, that you were going to go right to the studio? Or? It was pretty clear. And then it was just like, yeah. Or are you yeah. were like, and I want to get went, out of here so I can go paint? And then I went there, and I just. So what happened in the bathroom then? Did you feel sick, or were you just trying to like get by some time? I think I was just by. Yeah, I was. Just you were like, I can't handle these yeah. people. Yeah. I got to go to the back. <laughs> I got to get out of here. And you were in there a really long time. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, oh, what if, you know, he's going to, I, I have, Pat, I, I have no, I've been known to faint on occasion oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what if he passes out? Yeah. Oh no. So, um, yeah, no, yeah I, I think we were all glad that you left. <laughs> I think you were glad. I think we were glad. Yeah. We had some, uh, Mexican food, you know, Joe and I probably complained about all our, well, whatever. We got to gossip about all our advertising, old advertising friends probably or whatever. So, um, yeah, anyway, it was really, uh, yeah, I mean, like as much as, uh, yeah, I, I, as much as I was glorifying drugs, I mean, sure, I'm still like, uh, totally like wake up and say, man, I just fucking, what did I do last night? Why did I do that? (laughs) <laughs> no, but you know what? Here's the thing, guys. Most importantly, uh, David made the work. David got in there. Whatever, whatever it was, like, yeah. you know, like the problem with the real, I think the real problem with drugs and alcohol is when they get in the way of your productivity oh, yeah. or your yeah. relationships, shit like that. But, you know. No, I have, that is one thing. I mean, I, listen, I have definitely, uh, you know, drink. When I do drink, I can drink, I drink too much, whatever, whatever. But I have always had this, like, ever since ever since I was even young and doing all kinds of drugs, like anything, whatever was available, I was just mm-hmm. grabbing and putting in my nose, my whatever. But I always was like, if I, I would say to myself, like, if I can't get up the next day and go to work, then I got to, you know, then I have a problem. And so I would go to work with a massive hangover, but I would just get up and go to work. Right. That was just the, right. you know, the rule of thumb was like, right. you, no excuses, no hangover will keep you. Right. And there's a lot so. of people that cannot, that just are not capable of drawing that line. And that's yeah. like, you know, it's an illness or. Yeah, that's whatever, really, you know, I feel I, bad for those people and they I shouldn't get around drugs. They should just stop. But yeah. I have yeah. always managed myself and so that's why i so have david's this a shitty example folks this that's is right. what we're saying don't do anything he says <laughs> here's the disclaimer for the don't, radio don't do anything he says um yeah so i thought um i was thinking maybe it'd be fun to um delve into like your feeling about um like what you were describing before which you put very well about um not 
you know, kind of like it's never going to turn out. You want this, but then it's never going to be what you what you imagine it's going to be. So, um, so is that from like childhood, or do you feel that? How do you how has that changed in your life from when you first started feeling that way, or what's 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 no. going on? <laughs> We've talked about this a little bit. I know it comes from yeah. some of it's from ads from when you were a teenager. Well, yeah, I mean, like you know, to me, I think I've said this to you in the past, uh, maybe even on your radio, but I don't know. But to me, like I just remember. Like I told you this, I grew up, I was born in Manhattan. We grew up, I grew up in Westchester in New Rochelle. I lived there with my parents, both commuted back and forth. They had jobs and I was always like, you know, why are we here in Westchester? Why do you guys get to go to New York every day? Mm-hmm. And I'm stuck here. And like, you know, we had, I, yeah, I mean, like I was in high school during like right when like Saturday Night Fever came out. Like, you know, I was like, and we had all these magazines delivered us. I was really interested in those ads and those lifestyle and i was like i'm gonna go and move to new york as soon as i can that's just my next you know that's i want to have live that life and then of course it was like the aids crisis the whole everything that you wanted like you know the recession like reagan everything just destroyed all of those like visions of like Mm -hmm. what adult life was supposed to be like came to this like crashing halt and that was sort of like the beginning of this feeling of like boy everything you expected i moved to new york and it was like uh eventually you know i ended up going to school i didn't go to school in new york city at first because i didn't get into the school i wanted to i got i didn't get sva i I applied nyu i did not get into nyu and i got into george washington in dc oh yeah but you wound up going to so i went there no then i went after gw i immediately went to pratt pratt okay i got a master's but you know and then like i moved to pratt and like, so I did move to New York, but I was living in like what was then a hellhole, a hellhole you know, like it was the worst neighborhood and it was, you know, it was okay. It was great, but it was just like, that was the days when there were serious like racial tensions all the time. And I was like a white guy living in a black neighborhood. It was very, you know, bizarre. And, uh, you know, I, I liked it, but I would always sort of reflect on the fact of like, wow, this is not exactly what I expected. You know what, you know what I'm thinking? It's funny because I have, we have, um, so we've talked about, you've, you know, this is definitely like a theme for you, I think, because it's something that you had in your childhood. And it's also like something that we're talking about today. Like, you know, that, you know, there was, you had this Celine thing and then there was COVID and now there's the war and, you know, shit like that. But I'm wondering if you, when you were, growing up and your parents would go to Manhattan every day if you imagined that to be like really exciting and that was something yeah, that sure. you were sort of hoping you could be part of and then when you finally got to be part of it because there's a lot of people that would say you know the 80s was a great time to be in New York too yeah you know what I mean that there was very you know whatever but do you think there's some of that that there's this this thing that you'll never ever ever have because you're your parents seemed everything did it seem really glamorous what were your parents doing in manhattan what made it seem so desirable well yeah i mean they had uh you know they had jobs they went in and worked but you know it was listen at that time in the 70s uh, you know westchester was sort of where it was at and the city was kind of gritty and and mm -hmm. bad but we still had relatives that lived in brooklyn my grandparents whatever my relatives in queens we would go back and forth into the city all the time we were in the city all the time, and I was always like, why don't we live here? This just looks, there are people around. 
I, my kid, uh, who's now in Martin. his 20, Shout Martin. out to Martin. We love Martin. Martin is also extremely talented. He's been on my radio show. He is a, um, he's studying film at uh, Concordia in, in, in Montreal. And he is going, he's so, a really brilliant kid. He's so, a really brilliant, wonderful kid. We love Martin. But Martin's, go ahead. Martin's really. He's he, special. He grew up, so he grew up in New York City. And he went to high school in New York City. And like, uh. When he was just a little kid, he would we would take him in like a car and drive him out to his grandmother's house on Long Island, and he would look out the window and say like, "Where are all the people? Where is <laughs> nobody here? Where is everybody?" <laughs> so you know, I mean, like that is like uh, that. I mean, I think I had the opposite effect. Like I saw, I was in the city. I was like, "Wow, there's like activity." Mm-hmm. There was no he, activity in the suburb. Do you think he looks at you the same way you look at your dad? Like like. Like my dad, my parents are going out to these cool openings and parties. And <laughs> well, the I, funny, he thinks he's no. The funny thing about him is like I will say something to him like, uh, "Yeah, you know, I grew up in New York," and he's like, "No, you didn't. You grew up in New Rochelle. <laughs> 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 you didn't go to high school in New York. We were born in the same hospital." And he's like, "Yeah, but you don't have the cred." <laughs> he says that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's he's like you don't you went to New Rochelle High School. That's like a total strike against you. You'll never be able to be a New Yorker. Oh wow! Yeah, I love that. You know, it's such a guy. The guy thing. It's a guy. It's a. It's like a guy. It's a competitive guy thing. Totally. I'm gonna say that you and Martin are a little competitive. Well, when he was a really, really great, when he was a little kid though, like around like six years old, we were walking around Chelsea one day. And he was holding my hand and he was like, I love Chelsea. I'm going to live here for the rest of my life. And I was like, you're going to have to get your own apartment. Because, <laughs> <So. laughs> yeah, you were like, you're not living with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think you better think about uh, Brooklyn or Queens. Cause. Did you, you said that to him? He didn't get it, though, right? He not said, then. Not then, not but then. he will now. now yeah, now. Um <clears throat> Um, so, um, I wanted to say, so did your parents, like, did your parents go to a lot of parties or did they get dressed up did, and stuff like that? Was yeah. there some of that or was it more just being in New York or what did, no, did, I mean, they, they did think they, they didn't just come running back. I mean, they went to, they, they really liked going to the theater and they did that and they had friends and they did things. They, you know, they went out in the city. I mean, they went out in Westchester too, but they really going out in the city was, I mean, New Rochelle is really a without traffic is like a 20 minute drive from downtown Manhattan. Ah, it's so easy. So in the old days. Yeah. So it was, you know, and they, so they were having all this fun without you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. And so you were like, their lives are great. Yeah. Yeah. They did their, you know, they, they were as distant from me as I am from Martin with those comments about like, you're good. Uh, what do you mean? Like, no, they were just pretty, we were pretty, I guess they were, we were, I mean, I'm just saying that, like, we, um, they did their, they, I did not grow up with, like, my mother was never home. She had a job. She worked, and when she was home, she worked, she bought. What did she she do? Your father was a lawyer. Yeah, my dad was a lawyer. My mom worked for uh, Lane Bryant department stores and their personnel department. Oh, so she. Times Square. So she was going in every day to Times Square. Right, and they probably had a huge personnel. Well, that was the other thing. I loved going into Times Square, like, to visit her. Oh my Back God! Home. We have to go. Listen oh. to this. It's we have less than we have a thirty seconds anyway. And I've got to like remind people to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn, and go to the show. It's at Freight and Volume. Okay, at uh, list 
39 Lispinard, okay? So um, anyway, but um, Jesus, well, you know, check us out. Um, 